Lord, how I need you. I need them a little bit extra this morning for sure. But hey, I'm, uh, for those who don't know, my name is Matt. I'm the associate pastor and, and uh, minister to our students and our families here. And just kind of took on a new role over the last month and, and looking forward to what God has in store for 2015 for sure. And uh, I appreciate y'all being here. I know you could be probably 10 other places and, and probably Christmases are still going on. Uh, I know we still have one more Christmas and several of our students were saying they still have a handful more. So it is crazy to me, uh, students, kiddos, Kirsten and, and Carl, if, y'all will, if you're going to kids worship, uh, head out this way with them. They are anxiously awaiting y'all. It is crazy to me that we come to a close of another year. You know, Cody and I moved back September, marked three years. And uh, when we moved back, Ellie was, um, and, and Cody, I believe she was about six months old whenever we moved back, and not even crawling hardly. And, and um, you know, I, I look now, and I, I almost have a four-year-old. She'll turn four in February, and now we have a, a little son who's already a month old. And, and I can sit here and think about, and I'm sure many of y'all can relate to me on this, uh, how fast time goes, and just, it, it's uh, unbelievable how fast this year has gone, and, and uh, you know, I used to, Cody and I used to hate when people s- would say, you know, cherish those moments with your kids, because before you know it, they'll be 16, and I was like, yes, I understand that, but now looking back, I'm thinking, my gosh, you know, that, that's exactly right, um, you know, she's not 16, but, um, you know, she is driving her little car that she got last year, so... Uh, <laughs> But, but time flies by, and, and Cody and I, at the end of each year, we like to look back. We have a lot of drive time sometimes when we go see family and stuff, and we like to look back and reflect on what has happened in the previous year. And uh, so many times we find ourselves coming up with almost themes, if you will, uh, that we can say, man, this year was blank. You know, this year, uh, you know, my theme for 2014 was to be faithful in the little, and uh, my gosh, how... God has um, shown me so many things over and over. It's crazy if you look back. Some of y'all may read through the Bible in a year. Some of you may have a, a certain book that you, you read. But uh, this year for me was Nehemiah uh, and, and just focused on being faithful in the little. And every since, ever since I finished Nehemiah six months ago, the Lord has just continually showing me um, through his scripture what it means to be faithful in the little. And so I, I challenge you guys to take some time this week um, to slow down enough and to really focus on what, what was your theme for 2014. You know, obviously, I'm sure you made some mistakes just like uh, I have. You know, you, you, you look back and you say, well, I wonder if I would have done this differently or, or this and that. And, uh, you know, but slow down enough to just um, embrace what God has done in your life. And so I just want to open up with that uh, because with that, when Sean asked me to preach, and just so you know, Sean's here, so if I look back there and kind of chuckle, it's because after each point, he said he was going to give me a, you know, a 1 to 10, how that point was, but uh, I was chuckling. He really didn't say that, but, uh, you know, what, what a, a great pastor we have, and I appreciate him. Um, I'm sure it takes a lot to give up the pulpit, and he, we are blessed. I think sometimes we miss out on, um, on that because he is such a great pastor, and uh, I just you know, appreciate him and his family and what they've done, meant to us over the last 15 years. But when you think of the new year, if you're like me, what's the phrase? New Year's resolutions, all right? And so most, and and I kind of did my own little survey over the last two weeks. Hey, when you think of a new year, what do you think of? And everybody has said goals or resolutions. And so, you know, typically that that is what I think of. When a, a new year comes to a close, and I talked to my mom about this, and she said, when I think of a new year, I think of a fresh start and it's something that I can just, I can set new goals and that kind of stuff. And so I started thinking about this idea of 
what it means to have New Year's resolutions. And, um, you know, I don't know if y'all participate in, in having that, writing on your fridge, and maybe it lasts two weeks or a week, and, and then your resolutions kind of just turn into dreams again um, as you live out the next 11 months. But uh, that, that's how mine typically turn out, and that's discipline and, and uh, not very much character there, I'm sure. But uh, for this, for some reason this year, I've been burdened. What is a resolution? What in the world does that mean? Uh, from a Christ follower standpoint, but from a father standpoint, what does it mean to set resolutions? And so I looked it up, I, I, the, the trustworthygoogle.com, and uh, started doing my own little research of what is a New Year's resolution. And the first thing that popped up, um, and just so you know, like I said, I'm not much of a resolution, guys, because I like to set goals. I would rather fall, sh- fall short of my goals than fail at my uh, uh, resolutions. It just it justifies it a little bit. It sounds a little bit better f- uh, falling short than failing. But um, again, I've just been burdened of what a resolution is. In these last few weeks, uh, you know, I wondered, what are my resolutions? My gosh, I don't even have any. Am I going to fail at life now? I mean, a, a new year's about to start, and, and I really need to just figure this out. And so I looked at the words, uh, or what New Year's resolution is, and this is what it is. It's a secular tradition in which a person makes a promise to do an act of self-improvement or something slightly nice, such as opening doors for people beginning New Year's Day. That, that's the, the primary. If you search, at least when I did, New Year's, what is a New Year's resolution, that was the number one Google deal, that it's a secular um, tradition, um, even so much so for doing something slightly nice, such as opening the door. Uh, starting on New Year's Day. And so I dug a bit deeper and really looked at what the word resolution means because I'm thinking, okay, opening the door is not much of a life goal for me. You know, I, I, I was taught to open up the door and let ladies go and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just something that should be um, of our nature. So I dug a little bit deeper, and, and this is the interesting thing that I found, uh, quite challenging, if you will, but the definition of a resolution is the act of finding an answer or solution to a problem. And that just blew my mind when I read that several weeks ago because I was thinking, wait a second, a resolution isn't just setting a goal for something. It's actually finding a solution to a problem. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, on a, you know, I'm on a different level or something when I'm thinking of this, but if, if I'm going to set a New Year's resolution and say, hey, I want to do this X, Y, and Z for the following year, then I'm pretty well openly admitting that there's a problem because if I'm willing to set a resolution, then I'm saying, hey, there's a problem, I want to resolve that problem. And so that just kind of rang with me. It's an answer or solution to something that is wrong. All that to say, um, you know, I, I can conclude that my New Year's resolution, you know, is to openly admit that I have a problem. And so when I started thinking about, you know, what are my resolutions, I have to first and foremost think that there's a problem, all right? And, and I would venture to say everybody in here would, would believe that, hey, we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. All right, and so we all make mistakes, and so it's okay, Christians and, and, and folks in this room, to say, look, I've got a problem. I've got a sin problem. I struggle, and, and I struggle daily. I need an answer to the problem. And folks, today, we have the answer as Christ followers. Guys, amen that the, the Word of God is our answer to those problems that we have. And the more and more I dug, I realized it's not a problem you know, if I set a goal to lose 25 pounds and I don't achieve that goal, that's not a, a, a healthy lifestyle problem. That's a problem with the heart and, and discipline. If I, have a, a, if I set a goal or resolution to be the best father I can be to Ellie and Deacon, and I fall short and I discipline and, and I do this and, and something, you know, I, I'm mean to her or I'm out of line, um, then I'm not falling short of my resolution. I'm falling short 
uh, of the issue of the problem, and the issue is, is what's in my heart, and what comes out of my heart. And so this morning, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on, on what it means and, and what your resolutions could be or, or setting goals. I believe it's important, um, and I believe it's, it's a necessary thing to set goals in your life. But this morning, I want us to focus uh, on the problem. Because I think if we can go into a new year actually admitting that there's a problem, and I don't want to just set a goal for my life that I may half-heartedly try to achieve. Folks, if we will set a goal to live for Christ on a daily basis, decision by decision, moment by moment, then, then we're dealing with the issue of the heart and not just what's on the outside. And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at. Um, so turn in your Bibles uh, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. And as you're turning, to seek a resolution, we must first admit there is a problem in which we need a resolution to. You know, I believe the Word of God gives us the resolution, and that is Jesus Christ. So as you're turning, um, we're going to look quickly today at what our charge is as believers, because I'm going to solve everybody's problem today. All right, you may already have your resolutions on your, your refrigerator or written down in your phone or, or wherever you do that for, but I'm going to issue a church-wide New Year's resolution because it, it deals directly with the problem. Because remember, folks, if you're going to say, I have New Year's resolutions, you're openly admitting, saying, I've got a problem. And the problem is, is our heart. The problem with me is my heart. Everything arises from my heart. And so um, I'm going to help us all out today by assigning each of you your New Year's resolutions. Students, that goes for you too. All right, we're going to take a, take a poll at, after a month and make sure you're doing this. So um, but it's simple today. It's one that if we strive to achieve on a daily basis, a minute-by-minute, decision-by-decision basis, it will radically change our lives. Guys, the Word of God is alive and well, sharper than any two-edged sword, okay? So if we are going to, to all agree on this, that we believe God's Word is 100% truth, not just stories, not just novels, but this is God's Word, then we're going, going to have to agree that A, there's a problem with us, because that's what the Bible says, but B, that, hey, it's okay, there's hope, because we know, we know the answer to that problem, and it's Jesus Christ. So for 2014, um, you know, let, let, let's look at this, our charge. 1 Timothy chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse, um, here in just a second, verse 3 through 7. But I want to kind of set this up. Paul is writing a, a letter to Timothy, okay? Timothy's a young pastor who um, just kind of has been mentored by Paul, and Paul said, look, I'm going on this other journey. Here you go. You know, I've, I need you to take hold of this, this group of people, and I need you to lead this church. So Paul, as a young pastor, not knowing anything different, said, sure, man, whatever you got for us. Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's go. And so Paul, as a young man, you know, has goals, and he has um, his idea of what the Scripture is saying or what he is supposed to teach his people. And so uh, one thing that Paul does right off the bat is he's encouraging Timothy here and saying, look, all right, the, the, this passage of Scripture talks a lot about false doctrine and false teachings, and, and Paul comes back and says, of all the mess, of all the crud that's going on, Timothy, don't ever lose sight of your, your one charge. Don't ever lose sight of it, Timothy, because when, the moment you lose sight of it is the moment you become, your faith becomes shipwrecked, and you are out on your own, and man, you get caught up in the deceitful um, teachings of, of the law and, and all of this. And Paul simply says, look, it's simple. It's simple. And that's where I want to pick up right here. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3, it says this. As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain in 
um, Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. And look what Paul says right here. The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they are saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. So Paul's saying, no matter what, Timothy, what's going on in, in, in the uh, uh, trials you're facing and the things that people are saying against you, hold fast to the charge that was originally set before you. And I think, guys, so many times in our world that we get caught up in, in the big. Remember, my theme that the Lord has just hounded on me is be faithful in the little. I can only control what the Lord puts in front of me. And even at that point, I'm not controlling it. I'm just saying, this is what you got for me. Let's do it. Let's, let's wholeheartedly do it. And so I think Paul's going back to the basics here with Timothy saying, look, you've got a great, you've got a great vision. Don't worry about what's going on. Be faithful in the little and go back to the basics here. And that's love. And the aim of our charge is love. And so that's what I want to talk, um, talk to us about this morning. And I just hope that you hear me over the next three points. And, and that if anything, maybe you walk out of here and, and you, you're excited about a new year. Or maybe you're, um, you kind of get re-energized and say, man, this is, this is it. This is, this is our time to shine as a church. And, and we want to do this. And and uh, that's my goal today is just to preach the word. That's the only thing I know how to do, and I don't take it lightly. So y'all just bear with me. Um, and uh, the aim of our charge today for you, for your family, for your marriage, for your business, for your relationships, the aim for all of that is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And so the first thing as we get into this first point, before the first point, what is love? And, and man, I can't think of a better verse in Romans 5.8. Spells it out very clearly. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, so when you can grasp the idea of our charge as being love, that it's, it's God loved us so much he sent his son, then man, we, from that point forward, you, you can accept that charge of what it means to have a pure heart, good conscience, and a sincere faith. And the beauty of Paul in this letter is that he explained how we are to love. And it's those three things. So the first thing this morning is have a, have a pure heart. Pure means to be free from harshness or harmful matter. Okay, so what does it mean to, to live out a life that, out of love that is a pure heart? Um, to me, it's, it's love that is unconditional. Okay, to unconditionally love the, the people that I'm surrounded with. And so when I think about having a pure heart, it means to be free from harshness or harmful matter. Guys, love your community with no strings attached. When I think about, again, loving with a pure heart, there is no motives Okay, there's no motives. I can think about as a kid in the lunchroom, when I would go sit next to my friends when I grew up in Arlington, I would almost say, okay, he's got Oreos, he's got Nutter Butters, he's got Reese's, who am I going to sit with today? I want to trade for this. I had a motive. I wanted to better myself. I wanted to get their best, the best snack I could as I sat next to my friends. Whereas just going and sitting next to the person that I said, hey, I'm just going to sit here. Okay, as a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, I wasn't thinking about that stuff, okay? But I look back now and I'm thinking, there was motives behind my actions. I can look back in 2014 and think, guys, there's decisions I made that I had the wrong motive. I mean, I, I did not have a, a pure heart in some decisions that I made. I, I can look back in our marriage and think, man, there, I did not have a pure heart 
in several of the decisions that I've made. And maybe you find yourself in that. Maybe you're thinking, well, okay, a pure heart, Matt, I understand that. I understand we're supposed to love unconditionally. The Bible tells us to love because he first loved us. And Okay, but what does that mean? Um, to me, it means to love our community with no strings attached. That guys, that looks different, all right? As people come into our church, our fellowship, as people come into your Sunday school classes, as people come into your Bible study groups, your life groups, your work, your offices, that we love with no strings attached because we love because he first loved us. And so a pure heart, you have got to understand. I have got to understand to have a pure heart, I've got to love like crazy. Man, I've, I've got to love the people God puts in front of me. I've got to love my children. I've got to love my wife, my family. I, it's just everything should be done out of love. Um, to me, it also means to have meaningful relationships. Sean's been talking for, on community. I mean, has just our, our, the staff, the, the ministers of this church have just got together, and we feel so strongly about the word community. And what does that mean? And I think it's because we want to experience revival, folks. We want to see what God can do and not what God has focused on what he's done, but see what he is going to do in our church family. And so we have to have a pure heart going into 2015 and say, look, I want to love no strings attached. Whatever that looks like. Students, the, 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 you, know, you, you have cliques at your school. You can even see it in our youth group. You know, love with no boundaries. Love can't have boundaries. You can't say, I'm going to love him because uh, he's a good friend of mine or you know, I, we grew up together. But, man, I don't know him. I don't really, I don't really love him. You've got to love with no strings attached. Um, and don't have any motives for loving those people. It's not about you or me. It's about loving them like crazy, just as Christ loved us. Um, and then a pure heart to me also means love when it's tough love. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, what, what does it mean, tough love? How can I have a pure heart when Ellie is just being disrespectful? Even as an almost four-year-old, we're trying to, we're at that awkward point where, you know, do we, how hard do we be on her? Does she really understand? And, and man... Trust me, she understands, all right? When you say no, she understands the, the, what that word is, and she'll look at you and laugh and, and do what you asked her not to do. So I'm learning to love her with a pure heart, all right? I'm learning to love when that's tough love. And so parents, have a pure heart towards your students, towards your kids. Have a pure heart towards them. And students, have a, uh, you know, your parents love you, so have a pure heart towards them. That means even when it's tough, even when there's discipline, and, and Morris and mom says be home at... At 11 and you came home at midnight and she grounds you or takes your phone away or, um, you know, whatever that means. Love her through that discipline because she believes she knows what's best for you. Because I know your mom and I know that she's founded on God's um, scripture. And so students, love your parents through the tough times. All right? I promise you, they're disciplining you. I'm learning this. They're disciplining you because they have been there, done that, and they were disciplined by their parents. And they learned from their mistakes and they're trying to keep you from learning from that. So Love when it's tough. tough. Church family, have a pure heart towards people who don't look like us, dress like us, smell like us, or, or whatever. Love them with a pure heart. Guys, we have people coming to our church all the time. Every, every week there's people that come to our church that need assistance. And we, you know, what a blessing it is to have a closet angels. And, you know, just last week Josh and I were able to make up a big canned food box for a family that just moved here. And, and uh, you know, we have a lot of people in need. All right, when you look at, and I look out here, I, I see a lot of people that, um, probably aren't in very much need physically, but spiritually, guys, we have people that are hurting. We have marriages. We have families that are, are hurting. We have parents that don't even know what it means to, to 
um, raise their kids in, with biblical values because they weren't raised on biblical values. And so my challenge with the pure heart is to love through a different lens in 2015. It's simple. Just love the people God puts. Be good stewards of who he puts in front of you. I tell the students all the time, it's not by accident when you go to Walmart and check out that the cashier's checking you out, uh, checking your, your items out. That's not an accident, all right? I believe that God has divine appointments, and if we will learn to look through a different lens, but to do that, we've got to slow down. We've got to learn what it means to love with a pure heart in 2015. Husbands and wives, you know, love each other. Love with a pure heart every single day, one day at a time, even when it's tough. The second thing Paul issues here is to have a good conscience. And so I started looking up, you know, what does it mean to have a conscience? And, of course, everybody, you know, who understands that conscience is what helps you determine the difference between right and wrong, all right? Have a good conscience. And so when I started digesting, what is, okay, what is Paul talking about? How can we apply that to our lives? Man, do the right thing day in and day out. And this has been something that the Lord has just laid on my heart the last year and uh, goes right along with being faithful in a little. Just do the right thing. And that's easier said than done, all right? But I want to challenge us for 2015 to say, hey, 2014's in the past. This year, I want to just simply, this is easy. Just do the right thing. Moment by moment, decision by decision, ask yourself, does this glorify Christ? Does this honor God, the decision I'm about to make? Hey, guess what? If, it, if you say, mm, there's a good chance it's probably not the right decision. As tough as that may be, there's a good chance it's not the right decision. If you say, man, I can see how God's going to get glory through this, and praise God, I can see this, you know, he's opening up this door, and this door is closing, and, and we're able to do this, then there's a good chance that through prayer and, and, and supplication and offering your requests to the Lord that he's probably honoring that and saying, hey, make the right choice. That honors me. And so it, it's a simple thing, but it's something that takes discipline on a daily basis, moment by moment. In your finances, do the right thing. Does this decision honor the Lord? Okay? I, I, you know, Sean, we, we wrapped up the year on stewardship with our, our tithes and our offerings and what that means with our, our talents and our, our tithes, if you will. And, and man, just do the right thing. There's times I can look back, and Cody and I luckily both grew up with, with parents that loved the Lord and taught us biblical values, and we understood the importance of tithing. And it's hard. It's hard as a young couple, and it, it's something that we just made a commitment. Just do the right thing. God's going to honor it. He'll take care of the rest. Just do the right thing. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. Just do the right thing. I promise. You know, some of y'all may have problems with sleep. If you're like me, I've, I can look back over the last couple of years and think, man, I, have, I just don't sleep very well. I'm anxious. I'm, you know, I'm, Cody gets on me. I bite my nails. And I'm just kind of, you know, I'm, I walk around and I pace. And I'm just never really resting, even on vacation. I'm always, you know, on my computer and emailing and doing this. And, and there's so many things that go into to what I was anxious about and this kind of stuff. But you know what? I, I can honestly say I sleep so much better when I just do the right thing. When I just say, God, it's in your hands. I, I trust you. I want to make the right decision. And just do the right thing. And so, man, if you're struggling with sleep, maybe there's something in your life that you're, you know is not honoring the Lord. Just decision by decision, trust and do the right thing. Uh, be faithful in the little. When we uh, learn the principle that Jesus teaches us in Luke 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. Be faithful. Decision by decision. I'm a big picture person, okay? And so my wife has to get on to me. My folks have to get on to me. I, I want to look 10 years down the road and say, this is what we're going to be doing. This is this. This is that. 
And sometimes I have people in my life that say, that have to kind of rein me in and say, hey, just be faithful in the little. And man, I, I used to get sick of hearing that, but now, guys, just, uh, you know, a good conscience, do the right thing, be faithful in the little. You can only do what God has placed in front of you. Um, such, it's such an important aspect when it comes to our daily lives. Just be faithful, do the right thing, moment by moment, day by day. So the second thing, have a good conscience. Be a person of, of integrity and have a good conscience in 2015. That's the second part of the charge that Paul says. Have a good conscience. It's easy. Do the right thing. It's going to be a test over this um, if you're not taking notes, just so you know. But the third thing he says and finishes it up with the charge and says, look, have a sincere faith. And this is where I want to I spend just a few moments. What does it mean to have a sincere faith? Well, to me, sincere means to be genuine. All right, so when I think about a genuine faith, man, this is where I can get riled up because I, I just I understand the importance of family. I understand the importance of ministry with students on a daily basis. And, and guys, I'm privileged to do, Josh and I are privileged to do what we do. And, and you know, we see these, these students, if we're lucky, we get them three hours a week, okay? If we're lucky, we get them three hours a week. The rest of the time, they're either at home with you and your parent, you know, as parents, or at school, or, or on social media. I mean, we're talking very minimal time, okay? And I want to challenge us, because the next thing, next couple things I'm going to say may step on some toes. It may be like, I can't believe you said that. But listen, a genuine faith to me is one of the most important things. Because if you expect your kids to grow up and make the right decisions, then by gosh, you better be making the right decisions at home. And not just at church, not just in your, your business, you have better, I had better. If I want Ellie to grow up and, and you know, I, Dad and I talked about this the other day. I never really, he never really had his thumb on me growing up as a kid, okay? He set some guidelines and said, look, this is what God says, this is what his word says. I know your friends may tell you different, I know this may happen, but man... And he hounded that. Be faithful in the little. Matt, just trust God, and it's going to be tough. Your friends may make fun of you. Don't party. Do this. But he never was really one of those guys who said, don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do that. He just said, Matt, here's the scripture. This is what it says. I'm going to fail you if you look at me. And I can honestly say that, because he would say, man, if you look at me, you're looking at the wrong person. Look at Christ. And I'm not putting him on a platform up here. I'm just saying that's how I was raised. And so as I'm raising Ellie, I'm thinking, I want her to make good decisions. Well, how do I do that as a four-year-old? And, 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 and what does it mean to have a sincere faith? And I, I figured it out. I don't have all the right answers, but I figured this out. If she's not seeing me have a sincere, genuine faith in relationship with Jesus Christ, she's not going to live it out. As she goes to school, she's not going to live it out. As she gets older and, and begins to have a boyfriend, she's probably not going to live it out. As she gets older and starts to drive and make her own decisions, if she doesn't see it at home with Cody and me, she's not going to see it. Because a youth minister, three hours a week, I mean, I, I don't know how many times in, in the 10 years of ministry, and Josh and Sean and Larry can probably all agree to this, that you know, I've had parents come up to me and say, man, what's the deal? My kid's making bad decisions, and I don't understand it. And I'm thinking, hey... They're making bad decisions. I, I get them an hour a week. They're only here on Wednesday nights from 5 to 7, maybe 2 hours. I'm trying my best. Well, they come to church, and, and they need to learn what it means to be a Christ follower. They need to know what, how to make good decisions. And I'm thinking, you're pinning, you're pinning your, your kid's life on me when I just have them 2 hours. What, what's going on at the house? And I can't say that, okay? I can't because I, 
I get fired, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. But I can say it from here because I, I'm a challenge to us. A sincere faith. What does it mean to be genuine? Understand we are to have a genuine faith. Two things of this, and then I'll wrap up. The gospel calls for commitment. Okay? The gospel of Jesus Christ calls for commitment. All right? When I made a decision to marry my wife, I made a commitment. When I made a decision to take this job, I made a commitment to the Lord. All right? And so there is a commitment. It calls for commitment. You can't live for Christ several hours a week and for yourself the rest of the time. You can't. You'll wear yourself out. You put your church face on, you go, hey, how are you? Great, everything's good, everything's good, everything's good. And you get in the car and you're, you're, you're arguing with your wife and things aren't good at home and you're, 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 you're out of money and you're trying to make decisions. Well, my gosh, you know, you're worrying and you're wanting to point figures at God and we want to say, God, how can we be going through this? How could you let me go through this? And he's saying, how can you live for me one hour a week and expect me to take care of the rest? Matt, son... Son of mine, be faithful in the little. And then he goes on, I want to go on and say, being a Christ follower means just that. We are following. How many times in our lives, me, I'm, I'm putting me on a platform saying, I fail at this daily. I want to be in the driver's seat, and as a Christ follower, it means just that. I am following. I can't follow Christ if I'm in the driver's seat. Every day, we got to wake up and we got to say, Lord, what do you have for me today? What is it? What is it? I, I want you leading me. So it calls for commitment. I have to be committed to following him. The second thing I want to touch on, the gospel calls for us to live in true community. All right, and this, this goes with that genuine faith. Recent statistics show that young people aren't looking for all the flashy signs or all the glitter and glam. They are looking for genuine relationships within a true community. Ten years ago, youth ministry, you could put the lights up, the fog machines up, have the loud music, and man, you'd attract 200 kids on an event. Now... If they're not seeing a youth minister live it out, if they're not seeing their parents live it out, they want nothing to do with Christianity. Are you hearing me? Statistics show they want nothing to do with it if it's nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, myself included. All right? People want genuine relationships. And folks, I believe it starts right here, and it starts with the heart. Each one of us have to say, okay, have a sincere faith. You know, students, they want their parents to do the same at home as they're doing at church. Why would you want to follow Christ if Christ looks fake and only appeals to people for a few hours a week? They have better things. To, you know, this is all students, okay? This is a book I've just been reading, and it's just been, man, it's been so challenging. It, they have better things to worry about with their peers than worrying about their parents being fake. Church, listen to this quote. I just read this. Once a week, exposure simply cannot compete with daily experience where personal formation is concerned. Families, my charge to you as families, live your faith out. And parents, it's okay to mess up, all right? I messed up last night. I yelled at Ellie. I thought she did something. I yelled at her, and you know what? I had to swallow my pride and say, Ellie, I'm so sorry. I, I, thought, I thought you did that. I, I apologize. You know, m admitting you make mistakes will probably be one of the best things your kids could ever see because if they see you perfect and all giddy at church and then go home and, and man, they want genuine relationships. They want to see it lived out. That's messy. Spiritual formation doesn't just happen once or twice a week or maybe three hours. It has to happen outside these walls, like it or not. People want real people. It's okay that you struggle with sin, folks. Sheesh, we're all a bunch of sinners in here just trying to live life to the fullest. Maybe some of us are chasing the American dream. Maybe some of us are just trying to get by. We all are sinners saved by God's grace if you've accepted that. 
That's okay. Admit your wrong, your, your failures, and learn to move on. Mess up, man up, and move on. I mean, that, you're going to make mistakes. Be genuine and have a sincere faith in 2015. And as I close, I want to run some things. Um, now, probably some of you are thinking, great, Matt, you really screwed this up for me. I had all my resolutions on my refrigerator, and now you really just blown this out of proportion. I'm, I'm all having to start from scratch. But here's the thing. I believe God has placed the right people in the, in the right place, and now we just need to see that it's a, the right time for things to be a little different, to look through a different lens and say, man, if we're going to be a church that ministers to, truly to our community and not just people that look like us, smell like us, have the same things of us, if we're going to reach out, then it's going to have to be different. It's going to have to be genuine, and we're going to have to learn to, to break down some walls and barriers. Um, look down real quickly, verse, chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 Paul goes on to tell Timothy this. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage good warfare, holding faith in a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. I give you this charge to our church, to your your marriages, to your families, to your, your jobs, whatever it is that you're involved in. It's not a light charge. If it was easy, don't you think everybody would be a Christian. I mean, if, if there wasn't any concert, if there wasn't any sacrifice, a Christ wouldn't have done what He had to do. All right, we'd all just be walking around with Adam and Eve in the garden. But the woman screwed it up. I'm just joking. Um, but you know, <laughs> sin happened. Sin happened, and now we have to understand that there's a problem. There's a problem, and God's word gives us the answer, and it's Jesus Christ. Charge is simple but very heavy. It's time for a new approach this year, an approach that will stick around for more than just two weeks. The gyms will be full and, you know, the all herbal and uh, what's the, the go green will, you know, will, will come around for another two weeks. And, and I'm sure I'll be right there on the bandwagon trying to, to be healthy and on all that kind of stuff. But that stuff will, will go away if we don't deal with the issue, and that's an issue with the heart. I can't be the best father to my kids or the best husband or the best minister or the best person to these students if I'm not dealing with the issue and it's of the heart and it's a daily struggle don't play it safe in 2015 the gospel changes lives okay if it was safe um, you know Peter wouldn't have had to walk out on the water he didn't play it safe everybody wants to look at that passage of scripture and say well he lost faith well folks he stepped out of the boat while everybody else didn't all right the gospel will change your life radically if you'll let it if you'll let him an approach to life that will radically change the way we live, the way we conduct our businesses, how we parent, how we engage people. Um, it's absolutely beautiful when we realize it's not about us, and it's about everything has to do with Jesus Christ. Everything has to do with Him. You're not an accident. Um, you know, I'm a big picture guy, and I believe that there is a bigger picture for our FBC family, our fellowship, your family, your marriage, your kids, and ultimately your walk with Christ in 2015 if you <clears throat> today will deal with the issue of the heart. Making resolutions are great, but trusting Jesus Christ on a daily basis is something that will last for eternity. Resolution that will never let you down is the resolution when you say, look, I've got a problem with my heart. I need to deal with it today. And the only answer, I've tried everything. I've tried drugs. I've tried myself. I've tried everything. The only answer is Jesus Christ. When's the last time you sat in the passenger seat and let Christ drive? Would you even be willing to say that uh, you have a heart problem today? Or are we just going to continue to shove it under the rug and, and just, just do everything we can to just get by for another year? 
What would you say you would need Christ today? And then if not, what's keeping you from needing him? I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know if maybe I've, I don't even know how long I've spoken. Maybe it's too long. Maybe you're tuned out, whatever that is. But I, I tell you what, the Lord has, has changed my life when I made a decision at the age of eight to say, look, even as an eight-year-old, right, stealing candy from Brookshire's out of little boxes, that, that was my sin, okay, you know, disobeying mom and dad. I don't have this radical testimony, but I'll tell you, at the age of eight, God changed my life forever. And I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And I've tried my very best, and I've failed miserably at times. But I promise you this, the hope that I have is that one day I will be at home with my Savior, worshiping Him at the foot of the cross, at His feet, and, and I, it will be a glorious day. And, and friends, I want you to have that if you don't. There's no better time than saying, look, you know, on this day, uh, December 28th, I gave my life to the Lord, and I started living for Him. I don't have all the answers, and, and you're never going to have all the answers. You're going you're to say, I want to live for Christ, you're going to mess up, it's okay. Mess up, man up, and move on. Learn from your mistakes. So I don't know where you're at today, what you've been through, what you're going through, but please hear me on this. Jesus Christ didn't just die for me. He died for you. He died for everybody in this room, and he has a perfect plan for your life, a plan that you'll probably screw up, but that's okay because through his grace and mercy, we're able to take another breath, and as long as you're breathing, he's not done with you, as Sean always says. So let's pray. We're going to go into a time of response. And uh, we'll, we'll just go from there. Father, I just thank you for today, and I thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that you give us. I thank you for um, the promise that we have through you and, and through your word. And, and Lord, just as we maybe just slow down for these next few moments and, and sing some songs, but Lord, more importantly, just deal with our heart. God, 2015 is upon us, Lord, and, and there's, there is no better time than today to say, Lord, I want to live for you. So, Father, if there's people in this room, if there's people that are maybe, you know, maybe I am a Christian, maybe I'm not. I, I made this decision when I was six or seven, and, and I didn't really understand. Great. Let's, let's nail it down today, Lord. Let's, let's begin to have a group of people that have assurance instead of insurance, Lord, that we understand what it means to follow you with all of our heart. Lord, maybe there's marriages in here that need to be restored and just say, look, I've really screwed up 2014. Husband, wife, I'm sorry, and I, I want to make a commitment, not to you, but to the Lord. I want to make a commitment to the Lord today that says, I want to live for Christ so that I can love my wife how I'm supposed to. Parents, kids, maybe, maybe you're in an argument right now, or, or maybe even some of these grandparents here that, that kids have moved off, and, and they're right in the middle of the most ugly argument, and, and maybe there's resentment between between family members or whatever, Father, there's no better time than now to fix this. Nothing I can do, nothing anybody can do, but it's what your word tells us that you can do. So, Lord, as we go into this time of response, break down walls, break down barriers. God, we want to hear from you. We want to see what you have for us in a new year. And, and Lord, as a church, we want to just be genuine, God. We want to be real. I struggle. Lord, there's things in my life I need to lay at your feet today. Help us to do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.